All right, guys, this is episode 17 of uh, The Exchange with Sunil Prasad. Today, I got three awesome guests. They're from uh, Matrix. Is it Matrix Financial? Matrix Group? So Matrix Group is the, the top name, and then we have Matrix Financial, then Matrix Real Estate. So guys, Matrix is a mortgage and a real estate company yeah. in Vancouver. Actually, they're in Surrey, BC, just outside of Vancouver. And uh, there's uh, three of us here, actually four, including me. So just going to go around the room, introduce ourselves, and then go from there. Sunny. I am Sunny Sarai, one of the directors at Matrix. Uh, my name is Sapo. I'm also one of the directors at Matrix Group. Uh, my name is Ranj. I'm one of the brokers who recently joined Matrix this year. Perfect, guys. So how does the, how did Matrix get started? So you you two are partners, right? Or correct? Yes, and then we have uh, two other partners, Gary and uh, Raj, as well. Yep. Uh, so yeah, so Raja brought uh, this idea to us about blending the real estate side and and the finance side. Uh, especially with the finance side, we did some business together and uh, just bringing all the expertise and Raj's development and real estate background in, all in one house. But uh, the big thing was like doing business, but also about personal growth as well. Uh, because if your personal stuff is not together, like we were talking yeah. about, business is just going to suck. So we were thinking about bringing that all in house, creating systems just to make your business more easy. Uh, but still, you work hard, uh, but just make it fun. Yeah, so that's how the idea kind of started. Yeah, there. we had a lot of uh, conversations over the last, what, two years, I would say? Yeah. You were to have two years for sure. And, and a lot, I, I think when we both left the meetings, it was never about mortgage or real estate or finance. It was always personal development, personal growth, Absolutely. leadership, and, and just things like that, right? And that's, uh, I think that's what a lot of businesses today, especially in the mortgage business, and also real estate business is actually uh, losing is because there's no real leadership there or self-development there. 100%. I think more and more you're starting to see that separation from the sale to everything's relationship now, right? If you manage your relationship with yourself really well, your partners are all managing themselves well, that culture around you is good, then you're starting to see that leak onto the business side where more people now, they're... They just want to know that you're going to pick up the phone if something goes wrong. There's so much uncertainty in the market, mm -hmm. you know, whether you're on the real estate side, the mortgage side or whatever it is that, that most clients, obviously there's some people that are still 100% directed to just get me this and get me this rate or whatever, but I'm finding a larger group of people coming up just want to know that if something comes up, are you going to pick up the phone? And if you are that person, you know, it's nice to have other people like that around you as well to, to help support if there are any gaps in knowledge or whatever it is. It's building the heart. Exactly. That's what it comes exactly. Down to, right? Yeah. So it's basically like it is a like if you look at the real estate or mortgage industry, it's like self-employed pretty much. Like oh, you're out for yourself or you're it's commission based. So it's more individual type of deal. But with us, with Matrix, what we're gonna do is yeah, get everyone together, lean on each other. There might be times where one guy's going through a rough patch or he needs help with either personal or his business, and they can kind of lean on us and we can provide that support. So it's more about supporting each other, encouraging each other, and growing each other's business. There's a movie, uh, Dylan, was it Active Vulture or something? That movie we were just talking about a couple oh, of days ago. Oh, movie? Yeah. Active Valor or anything? Active Valor? Active Valor, I think it's called. Okay, remember that right before they're going to war? They're all at that beach, and uh, the captain goes, guys, fix your shit right now at home. If you got wife problems, you got husband problems, yeah. you got financial problems, deal with it right now because when we're in war, right, we don't need that stuff affecting us. Mm -hmm. yeah, Let's okay. get the shit dealt with, right? 
I like every single morning I wake up. That's the thing I work on. Like, what's fucking bugging me right now? Mm-hmm. Deal with that shit, right? If it's gonna be, uh, if I can deal with it right away, deal with it right away. If it's gonna affect me for a long term, let's start fixing it right now. Hundred percent. Right? And that's all it is. There's nothing. I bottle shit up a lot of times when I was younger, and what happens is. You take like Coke and Pepsi, whatever it, it is. It leaks everywhere. It leaks, but here's the thing: when you start, yeah, when you start shaking it, right, yeah. and then you just open it up, you fucking Smoke. blow. I used to blow up, man. Yeah. And I'm fine for like six months, and then all of a sudden, like I'm blowing up, and I'm I'm violent. Yeah. Right? yeah. Violent as in not not, not beating somebody, yeah. but like I'm like, I'm talking shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Which is hurting a lot of people. So as long as you got that taken care of in the beginning, and it, you know the hard thing, you're fixing stuff. It's a good team. It's the way think, it works. I, I think the hardest thing too is, I mean, just getting into business in general. Like, uh, there's so much to learn, right? And we're always. I know for I can speak from my experience. I was so focused on, you know, Prado's principle: 80-20. 20% gets you 80% of your results. I was so focused on the stuff I was not good at, and putting energy there. Where you know, once I, one of my friends, he's on the real estate side of Matrix. Another partner, he's on the real estate side, and. The big thing was to double, triple down on what you're good at, mm-hmm. you know? So, I mean, if, if for me, I don't know every single way on how to structure a deal. We were talking about this earlier, mm-hmm. right? Like, I know one niche really well. I don't know another side, but I'm still getting that business coming to me. Why not leverage an underwriter? Why not leverage another partner? Why not bring somebody else? You don't have to know everything. Yeah. If you're the relationship guy, be the relationship guy. If you're this person, be that person. So, I think a lot of times we want to be everything, but when we actually cut back and we just focus on the one or two things that we're good at we really develop that side it takes a lot of that pressure away Mm -hmm. because for me whenever i was like i don't know this that feeling would build up inside like i'm a piece of shit what am i gonna do oh my god exactly because you build up so much anxiety and that just kind of keeps building up over time and then slowly clients kind of know like hey man this guy doesn't really know how to do the deal or you get somebody to do it in the background you kind of still look like the expert right? Yeah. yeah but i think like it's just like leaning on each other and uh, if the anxiety is building up, man, you're gonna fucking blow up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, gonna, yeah. 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 And sometimes it's easier to relate like instead of telling your partner at home what you should. Yeah. But sometimes <laughs> they don't understand. Yeah, that. but they don't you don't want to take that home, right? No, yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. they don't understand that because they're not in the industry themselves. Yeah. So it's yeah. easier to lean on to one of these guys and yeah. say, "Hey, this is what's going on." Uh, and then you know they can kind of talk you down uh, and off that ledge kind of thing when you're really ready to blow, right? So that's very helpful, I find. Yeah. To your point there. Every business needs three. They need. I'm just gonna go go mortgage uh, the mortgage business, right? You got the you got the seller, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. They're great at sales. They're people person, right? They hate the underwriting side, the paperwork. Then you have the underwriter, mm-hmm. the focus on underwriting. Then you have the other side, which is uh, the long term relationship, right? The one that builds that. Yeah. It's a three people team. Yeah. Right, and most people don't want to hire because of financial reasons. Mm-hmm. Right, like okay, how, can I afford it or not? Right, but the thing is, yes, you can because you bring somebody else in. You have more time to focus on what you're good at. They have fo- more more time focusing on what they're going yeah. good at, and all of a sudden your business starts growing. Yeah, right. It's just taking that jump. Is it grows hard. exponentially too. And just like how we were talking about earlier, like your mortgage business, you have a system now where you come in, it takes a certain amount of time, but now you're doubling, tripling down on other areas that are affecting your business exponentially. Mm -hmm. And I think once we give ourselves permission, one, to actually have conversations like this and and get a little bit outside of our own social circles and our own business circles to be like, yo, this is really working well for Sunil. Why don't I give this a shot? Because oftentimes I find we might take advice from 
somebody who their, their whole style, their personality is completely different, and we're measuring ourselves up to them. Mm-hmm. We're completely two different yeah, things. Yeah. One's a cat, one's a dog. Yeah. yeah. Right. We're just two different roles. So, you know, this whole thing about personal development and really finding out your skill set, who you are, you know, what your triggers are, and then putting the right systems all around that, it makes it so much easier. Right? I'm getting married this year. You just had a baby. You just had yeah. a baby. Yeah. We're leaning on each other just to be like, listen, if a deal <laughs> comes in right now and I don't want to spend time dealing with it, I'm just going to introduce Sapo yeah. and be like, hey, yeah. here's my partner. Yeah. He's a construction expert or whatever it is. He'll take care of it. But at the end of the day, if you're unsure, you don't want to give him a call directly, just call me. We'll figure it out. And we're finding a lot of success yeah. that way, on even on the business side. just. So it's, it comes down to self-awareness, right? Yeah. Having that, like, yeah. what you get at, what what ticks you off, what doesn't, what drives you, like, knowing that. But also, it's the ego. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't want to give that deal away, right? Yeah. Here's a lot of things. I'm in the private mortgage business, and I have a, a ton of investors, right? So I can get deals done. But a lot of them don't want to send the deal over, right? Because they know there's going to be another person involved, mm-hmm. right? That's an ego thing. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Once you put that aside, like, okay, you know, you know what? This, I have an issue. I have a problem. Let me deal with it. Yeah. Because that, like, we're two middle people, right? What's good for the client? That's it. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Like, what's good for the client? Mm-hmm. Well, see, I think you know what you know what happens in situations like that. We kind of run into like, say, we're in a co broker deal, and the first question is like, hey man, what's your fee going to be like? Well, my question is like, hey, how are we going to help the client? Because mm-hmm. what people are just seeing, hey, this is the pie. Oh, Sunil's going to eat 75% of it. Or instead, we help the client out. We eat a little piece of the pie. Client's happy. Client's like, hey, man, you did a fucking wicked job. Here's another client. Yeah. Now you get a little pie. Exactly. Right? That's the way it should work. It's it's a long-term base. It's that abundance mindset. Yeah. 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 And we work like that. That's why there's a lot of deals going back and forth. Well, one going back, but <laughs> it's just not my, it's not my market. It's not my market. Yeah. Yeah. He said he invited you just to roast you. I know, I guarantee you. Never, 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 never. So even my sister, like, she wanted to go get a mortgage. They didn't even call me. Yeah. Right? Because they don't know what I do. Well, they know I don't do this A side, right? Mm-hmm. It's just not my market. Yeah. And um, so that's why I look at these deals that that's come right. in. Yeah. Oh. Anyways, guys, uh, background. Like, you guys came from the business world. Like, what's uh, banking? Like, what's banking. The- yeah. For myself, I started off with the. Actually, I went to school, believe it or not, to become a cop. I uh, went, uh, did a criminal justice program at Sorry so to cut you off, man. Yeah. We were just talking about having a cop on the show. Oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> you get out two words on one So, yeah, I went to Lankia, I did the criminal justice program. Uh, as I got through the program and graduated, I just kind of reflected it. It wasn't the lifestyle for me, uh, just the, the, the shift work and, and just all the stuff that you dealt with. It, I wanted to do something more positive. Um, I just randomly started working uh, at Van City. There was an opening, started working as a teller, worked there, worked my way up as an account manager, moved on over to Envision Financial, was an account manager there. And then it was about 2010, um, and one of my cousins was a broker with DLC. He was a top 50 broker in Canada and did very well. Uh, he's like, hey, like you're doing mortgages for the bank. Like you're getting paid what? He goes, I make that sometimes in one deal. Like, why don't you come work with me? I'll teach you. I'm like, sure, I took the leap of faith, uh, and I did it actually the year I got I was getting married. So it's kind of scary. So a lot of expenses plus taking that leap of faith of no set income. Uh, but I I learned off of him. He helped me a lot in the first couple of years, um, and then from there I got an opportunity with Dominion Lending Center's head office. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked for a division called Plan B Mortgage Services. Mm-hmm. 
So they handled all the turn down business from the Dominion agents all across Canada. So I literally did all the Alte private mortgages uh, from BC to Newfoundland. I've funded deals all, all over the place. Uh, we had a really extensive uh, list of private lenders, investors, clients, uh, all over the place, which was nice. Um, so we did a lot of that co-brokering. Um, so built a lot of relationships, a lot of lending relationships as well. Um, and then from there, uh, that's when I really met up with Sat Paul and Gary kind of broke off on our own thing and, and started uh, our our original uh, mortgage brokerage called Pacific Northwest Mortgage Corporation. And then from there, we became Matrix Group. Yeah. So for me, I, like, I wasn't in the business world at first. Like, I was studying to become a dentist. I was working as a dental hygienist first. Uh, wanted to go into dentistry, but then I was like thinking about all the tuition costs. I'm like, oh man, I got to go back and like do all this schooling. And then uh, in that meantime, while I was working, I got my insurance license for life and disability. Mm -hmm. So in, in that first week, I wrote quite a bit of business. I'm like, man, this is not bad. <laughs> Nobody this can say no in their mouth and yeah. nobody's cleaning your bank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're really doing some critical here, bud. <laughs> some critical and you get three flaws. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I did that. And then uh, and then I was like, you know what? I really got to get some like education behind the financial planning. Uh, I love the planning and the number side. So I went back to BCIT, did my fa financial planning diploma, got my CFP designation, which is certified financial planner. Then I was recruited at one of the credit unions. Uh, but being one of the only East Indian guys at a Caucasian dominated uh, institution, yeah. and we Punjabis, we love lending and mortgages, right? For us, it's easier to give them money than to take it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, for me, like I dealt with most of the uh, East Indian clients. All I did, even though I was a financial planner, 99% of the time I did lending. So I kind of fell in love with that side of the industry. Uh, even though I was only doing residential, I would see like all the commercial deals as well. And that kind of intrigued me a little bit more because I was always like pushing to learn a little bit more. Then that's after about two years, I made the jump uh, to become a broker. And uh, it was probably one of the best decisions after because got to like being a broker, it's, it's a different world out here, right? Like it's a different type of clientele, uh, but it's been awesome so far. You look like a dentist. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> you look like a cop. Yeah. Now, I look at him, man. Wonder what you're going to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I started off at the bank in uh, 2006, 2007. My mom's been in banking for like almost 30 some odd years now. So she started off as a teller, worked her way up. And I was at a point in my life where I didn't really know what I wanted to do. At that time, I was kickboxing heavy. I was a Western Canadian kickboxing champion. Used to always get in trouble at work because I'd have black eyes. My nose was bent one way. And um, I just talked to my mom and she's like, yo, why don't you give this a try? Like people are making good money and they're doing this. And you know, um, she had the personality test at home. So she's like, just take the test. So I did this test and she's like, this is like the ideal type of thing that we would hire for. So right away, I'm like, I'm gonna kill it. I'm the man, <laughs> did the test, did everything. But the first two years were super hard for me. I mean, uh, I was really doubting myself quite a bit. A lot of different things were happening and I was I went uh, from one bank to another bank and then all the business I was getting was all alternative. My dad was a director at Yellow Cab at the time. They're building houses, they're doing this. They don't show any income. I'm trying to get these deals done. They weren't working. So naturally my progression went from just wanting to do mortgages just to allow me to kickbox and give me enough time to do that to seeing a big opportunity to really doubting if it was something for me and then I learned about the alternative and private side and you know I saw a whole different side of business that we don't really talk about so I've been focused on that for the last 
couple years, two, two and a half, three years. And then uh, that's on the brokering side. And slowly, I think as you get involved with it, you start to see more things, your, your eyes start to open up. So this year has been a huge year for me as far as uh, just reorganizing my business, re-strategizing because you know, once you, I think you really spend that time to look at what your dominant skills are and how you can really personify those and bring that into a market mm -hmm. instead of trying to be somebody else, it gives you permission to play in a whole different way. And when you come with that energy, like I've noticed it, it's completely different. You know, some people say, oh, you got to grind 14, 16, 18 hours a day or whatever it is. But I mean, if you're having meaningful conversations and people can actually feel you're 100% present with them, that over time I'm finding is what's really compounding. Where instead of calling 100 people and asking for a deal, just calling someone and be like, yo, like, what's going on? What can I help you with? And letting them know what I'm doing, it's opening so many different doors. So just learning to play with the brokering, you know, with the game that we have in a different way, it's, uh, it's pretty rewarding and who knows where it's gonna end up. All conversations should go, should go that way, adding value. You know, yeah, when yeah. you phone, phone them up, right? Ask how the kids are doing, right? Or, you know, something to do with the wedding or always add, add value, you know, see what's going on instead of the sales call. Yeah. Nobody yeah. wants those calls. No. Right? Yeah. Nobody wants those calls. And uh, it's good that you touched on that. It's different. I mean, it's a different approach because I think we're always told, you know, you got to be a hunter, you got to do this, you got to do that. But if you're really playing a game for the long term and people know that you care. It's relationship it's building. Relationship. Yeah. You know, one business, man, is building yeah. relationship. Yeah. That's it. Forget what, you know, what industry you're in. Yeah. It's all the same. I had a conversation with this, uh, uh, another business owner a couple hours ago. She goes, you know a lot about business. I'm like, no, I don't. I just know specific, you know, I, I'm great at one thing. I don't yeah. know how to run other businesses but yeah. it all comes down to like how you treat the people what your product is at the end of the day product really doesn't matter mm -hmm. right yeah. all it does is like how are you treating your own employees mm -hmm. and then how they are treating the clients mm -hmm. right yeah. or, or partners or whatever that is that's all it comes down to and where's the issue this is the issue how do we fix it yeah how do you work on it like what you know what's the best advice you can give that's all it comes down to yeah it's very simple Business one on one, really, because at the end of the day, people buy people. They don't really the buy the product is a byproduct. Yeah. It is what you do. Yeah, but yeah. the brand will yeah. always. Here's the thing: we were talking about this earlier. A broker will always lose to the bank, right? Because those banks have built brand. Yeah, correct. If the broker does not build that reputation in the beginning, they're gonna lose it. They will lose it to a brand because brand has been built from TD and Scotiabank yeah. or JP Morgan or City from day one, mm -hmm. from when the, when the kid was five years old, when they opened their yeah. first bank account, That's right? The first credit card they got, the first loan that they got, business loan, mortgage, everything. People are indoctrinated with it. You ask them, like, oh, why this bank? I've been there since day one. My exactly. dad put yeah. me there. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, okay, like, that doesn't make any sense. You're paying, yeah. like, way more over there than over here. But it's my dad. It's my dad. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not even that. Yeah. You know what, for me, the most important, uh, what's it called, uh, uh, paper I had yeah. when I was younger was that bank book. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah, I was still sliding in, opening up, holy yeah. shit, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was, the, it was the happiest times, right? Because yeah. you have birthdays, you have something, you have a paycheck that yeah, comes right. in because I was you know, doing a lot of things when I was younger. Take it to the bank, you give it to them, and they make you feel good. It's like, oh my, how old are you? 12, wow, you got yeah. this much you got. Yeah, yeah. You look it up like, holy shit, right? This is damn good. Yeah. Then right? my dad would look at it and be like, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
talking about growing up confused, right? You go there, they're like, you're doing great, you come back home. I'm like, no, man. No more. He, he's, he's firing you up, man. Yeah, he's firing you up. 100%. But uh, that's, the, that's the brand that they built. We got so many different opportunities and uh, different tools that we can leverage now as well. Like we were talking about it just with social media. You know how through you can get a few i watched a couple of your podcasts before coming here because i already knew if i do that i'm already going to kind of have a feel for you it makes it so much easier to talk and connect and that's a big point i think a lot of people are missing is that you know leveraging a podcast leveraging instagram leveraging facebook you know people are seeing what you do and even if they're they might know you through somebody else when they see you they're that much more inclined to have a conversation with you and it's so much easier to build that relationship rather than just being super cold or not posting anything, right? Yeah. Or complaining. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think that's the biggest thing right now is everyone's complaining, mm-hmm. right? It's, you the know, whatever low. it is. Market's that's low. Everyone's <laughs> blaming the market all right. But blame yourself because exactly. you never have done well, anything, That was, that was right? your last post that you put up, right? Like, people are complaining all the stress tests or, like, nobody's calling me, the market's really slow. Like, just pick up the phone. Like, just call everybody. Like, the, if you're building relationships, keep building those relationships because you never know you call somebody they might be like hey man like i'm good but my brother man he can't get his deal done can you help him out yeah that's it right instead of just sitting scrolling on ig and just nobody's liking my phone i had a call (laughs) i had a call from your office today yeah right they were just asking about a mortgage and we just started chatting he's like hey i got this other deal can i run it by you like yeah go ahead run it by me and call my investors like yeah i like it yeah, it is. One call. Yeah. One yeah, call. One call yeah. Right? The challenge is, though, it's when uh, when things are good and things are falling in your lap, you start to think you're much smarter than you are. When yeah. Our business is simple. Pick up the phone, reach out to people. You don't know how to do somebody or do a deal. Leverage a partner. Leverage somebody Because else. they think it's too good for them now. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's like when I started in the mechanic business, I had my, I wanted to be, I wanted to be a cop too. Oh, nice. My dad was a corrections officer. Nice. And, uh, He's like, my kid's not doing that. He's like, because of the shift work and your yeah. weekends and evenings, you're gone, you don't have time with your family, you're, you're around with the most negative people. Yeah. Like, gave me shit, I left. So that, that was good. Went to mechanics, uh, went to BCIT, did two years there. Sorry, did a year there. Mm-hmm. And then got a job at Ford, got to Ford, big ego. Fuck, I know how to rip this, I know how to do this, I know how to put transmissions together. Yeah. Go wash a car. Yeah. What do you mean you got to wash cars? You got to go wash cars now, right? So you started washing cars for like four or five months. And then you go and start sweeping the floors and then oil changes. Your ego got hit. My ego got hit hard mm-hmm. right yeah. there, right? Like, and, you know, you, you got to get down to the ground and, and, and fix that shit up. And I think a lot of the people that think that, you know, they made one or two deals. Trust me, you got it from working you know, uh, pounding the pavement, not yeah. not where you are, right? So you yeah. gotta continue doing the same thing. Well, I think, but a lot of people are missing that, right? Like, like doing the real grunt work, hitting the pavement, and uh, I think like in this day, everybody wants it to be easy. Like when the when the going gets tough, everybody just wants to back out. But those are the times that make you actually like really strong, right? And uh, it just like I I, I know like wouldn't say like the biggest thing for me was like fear like hey like i'm a dental hygienist but i was like hey my market for insurance is going to be dental hygienist right because i'm like yeah i work in that industry how hard could it be but then i was like you know what like 
I gotta expand my network, right? It's like if I call into a dental office, they're gonna be like, "Hey, are you booking a cleaning?" Like, no, man. Like, I am. I just <laughs> trying to sell some insurance. <laughs> no, no, but for me, it was like, you know what? I made a pamphlet. I drove, like, just walked into random dental offices. Like, hey, this is my offering. But I would stand there with that fear. Like, I would sometimes walk into an office, stand there, I'm like. Fuck man, I shouldn't do it. Just get back in your car. Go yeah, home. fear rejection, right? Yeah, but then I'm like, screw it. What's the worst thing I'm gonna say is no. Exactly. I'm like, hey, this guy's like trying to do like two industries. I'm like, I don't care what they say. You never know what's gonna come out of it. So I think that grunt work kind of really built my base. Like, get rid of that fear. Yeah. Ten years ago, when I first started mortgage business, I got on the. Uh, I wasn't big on emails or anything like that. On the phone. Right, I look at a listing, right, commercial listing. I pick up the phone, contact the realtor, mm-hmm. and uh, pitch. Right, first talk, pitch. Yeah. Right, kept doing that, kept doing it, but that's what built everything. It's exactly what it what it takes to, to to build. Right, it's just that hard work that happens. Nobody wants to do that. And the thing here was, every time I go down the numbers, like God, oh, I gotta fucking tell me to fuck off. Yeah. In ten years, one person told me to screw off, mm-hmm. and then six months later, I gave the same guy a call. I gave me a deal. Mm-hmm. He didn't even know he told me to screw off back then, but there was probably something happening with that yeah. person. Whatever. Right, but yeah, the the rejection is like going to a club back in the day. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> fuck! She's gonna turn me down. She's gonna turn yeah, me down. Yeah, yeah. What happens? Like, I don't say anything. Like, oh, well, kids, two weeks later, you see with the uglier guy. You're like, God damn! Well, now like nobody has to go to the club. They got Tinder and stuff. Yeah, Tinder. Swipe, man. Swipe. Time to get some questions. So we got a bunch of questions from. From our community, so we'll just yeah, yeah. respond. So just jump in, guys. Whoever wants to answer it, go ahead. We'll have like two cents in it. My dad is a branch manager and mortgage lender, and he hired me to run his social media pages. He's recently asked that I start doing Facebook's ad, Facebook ads for him, and I have no idea what I'm doing. He knows this, but would rather I try it out first before going directly to outsourcing the job. I'd love to be able to take this on, but I definitely need guidance. What advice do you have for someone totally inexperienced and in a market with lots of regulations? For something like that, like learning your, I would find out what your dad's target market is for audience. If he's after a certain niche, like if it's a self-employed individuals, you want to gear your value add type of posts towards self-employed individuals. I don't know. That's the that's the advice that I would give. I think that would give you the beginning, like a direction where to go, and then you kind of just build off that. If that doesn't work, then you just retweak it. I think. Uh, then the easiest mind. wheel or the easiest way to do it is just find somebody else in the industry that's doing it in a way that you like it. Yeah, right? exactly. Uh, yeah. Because I mean, their audience might be completely different than the audience that, like you said, your your dad might be going for. But at the same time, it it takes a lot of thinking off your plate, and it just gets you into action mode. I think once you start taking a little bit of action, then it's easier to become creative once those wheels are turning. Right. Yeah. The biggest thing is yeah, research people who are already in the industry. You can research our page or our podcast and there's others out there too uh, but again uh, she mentioned her dad was a branch manager so maybe check with you know dad first before you post anything because it might be with regulations FICOM regulations you got to be careful of what you actually put out there as well mm-hmm. yeah. yeah sir for me I would I would uh, especially if your dad is a, a branch manager they probably already have some type of um, ad that's uh, created I would just talk to your dad to find out what audience he wants to target, find the geographic area, and then find what your dad's budget is. What we do here at TFS is, let's just say our budget is a thousand for the month. I will run five hundred dollars against uh, Facebook ad, Instagram ad, 
and then I'll see and then underneath that I would actually have different different sectors uh, the sorry different uh, sections and one would be age one would be demographic uh, so we'll run, we'll run anywhere between four to six see the one that's doing the best or even two and then take the other half of your spend money uh, uh, of the money that you have sitting aside and run heavily against those two demographic yeah, that's smart. next question from Erica how many years did it take you to finally see consistency in your pipeline? How many years of grinding did it take for you to say, I got this? For me, the first time I saw it was just 90 days of consistency. And I still have it in my, in my. it was August of 2016. It was every day I knew that yellow was a call. So for myself, I created visual triggers. I'm a visual learner. So I have a Gmail calendar. I have all the color coordinated and stuff. So if I go back, I can look and see, okay, month over month, this month was heavy on calls. Those calls turn to meetings. Those meetings turn to deals. And it's a visual, easy thing for me to see. So I would say it doesn't take years. It just takes, I'd say, 90 days to 120 days, but of consistent, consistent activity. And you just got to find a way that's easy for you um, to look and actually see if the data is working. For me, it's, like I said, just a simple Gmail calendar. Calls are color coordinated in yellow. Yellow turns to orange, which is a meeting. Red turns to a deal. Once it funds, it's green. And so I can just look at my calendar and I know right away. So that, that really helped me. Um, but it did take a little bit of playing around with, but I know that before that I had given up a bunch of times on making calls consistently. That was the first time I completely sold out. 90 days, every day, minimum 10 touch bases with people and just go from there. I like that. Yeah. Uh, for me, it probably took uh, close to six months where I kind of did see all the dividends that I did before kind of paying off. Because right in the beginning, I was like expecting, hey, people are going to call me. <laughs> right? Like, hey, well, we, we all do, man. We all do. And then when the phone's are ringing and then uh, those, uh, those payments are just going out, then that kind of triggers when they hey, I got to be more proactive. If I, if I keep calling people and I'm on top of mind, always that's going to build that up then like say in june i was making all those calls then i started to see a lot of those deals those referrals september but then you always have to remember just because you get the deals you got to keep that wheel turning that's for why the team that's yeah, why the team is yeah, important yeah, man yeah that's why social media and branding everything else is important oh, so yeah that now like we've implemented the team because what was happening before you get the deal get the app underwrite it talk to the lender get the check like sweet and like oh shit now what <laughs> where's the pipe man yeah. <laughs> so then now it's just like having like having the underwriter the team and uh, with our assistant we got the underwriter hey next call let's keep it going now the pipe just staying full right yeah. so but if you start slacking one or two months you got to make up like three months to catch up right so it's not even one or two uh, one or two yeah. weeks it's like one or two days oh, with yeah, that. Hours, man. yeah right that yeah. There's always somebody out there hustling, you know. Oh, when, I, when I put down the phone and I'm like going to Tim Warner's, grabbing a drink or a coffee, I'm like, oh shit, man, it's happened. I was making three calls. Taking my business. Uh, Hence yeah. why I got this here. I got other people calling your clients. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, phones have been turned off as soon as we walk yeah, in here. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Plan. And I'm getting sunny, dude. I'm getting sunny yeah, today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. For me, it took uh, probably. I would say first six months, just getting my head around this here, right? Mm -hmm. And then, uh, then after that, because in the beginning, 
I was always a, a tech guy, but the one, the people around me were old school, and they said, no, don't, don't look at Facebook, don't look at Google, don't get any leads from there. It's not the right way of doing it. And I listened to them because they were in the business for a long time. Yeah. Well, well realized that just because you've been in the business for a long time doesn't mean you know a whole lot, mm-hmm. right? And especially today when things are changing. So getting rid of that and then uh, figuring my own stuff and then going from there, I would say six six months to a year for me, yeah. right? Just testing and seeing what, what was working. Uh, I got into this industry having a very solid background, mm-hmm. right? Having financially, I was set before I got, I got in here. So like, I didn't really have to hustle in the beginning and it wasn't until I figured where I wanted to go and, and what areas I wanted to focus on and, and then started to make the call. And after that, it was just shortly after it started, yeah. started picking up. Yeah. yeah. For me, I was, uh, I like I mentioned earlier, I, I learned from a cousin of mine who was already in the industry. So I had the luxury of sitting with him watching and help work on his files that he's getting in and I was kind of watching his activities and what he was doing um, so I was doing deals right out of the gate because I had his deals I was underwriting his deals, so I kind of understand hey okay well these are the lenders on this side compared to the credit union you knew what only their rules were or their guidelines were now I had to learn Scotiabank I had to learn TD I had to learn First National and all these other lenders so I, I kind of took my time and learned how to structure deals he showed me how to do that uh, and then I would say probably three to four months after I did all that and got a good grasp on that, then I started doing the calls and kind of booking appointments after that. Sandy, that's good you said that. When I when I first started, I got into uh, got into a brokerage shortly after I took off because it wasn't feeding me, uh, not feeding me deals. It wasn't feeding me the information that I yeah. needed, right? Yeah. So I wasn't I wasn't happy. And then I joined um, uh, a mortgage investment co- corporation, a MEC, and I got everything thrown at me then. You're, you're sitting there, you're seeing every single types of deals. And I swear to God, man, in the first two years, I've probably seen more deals than probably uh, a mortgage broker that's been doing it for 25 years. The amount of flow that was coming through, and you're seeing everything from like, you know, $12 million commercial deals to like $50,000 small renovation, yeah. you know, bathroom, kitchen renovation, right? You're, you're seeing everything. And, and then I got to kind of pick there on what kind of deals I wanted to do, and it was great. Great learning. That's funny you mentioned that because uh, where the brokerage we were in was also connected with a MIC BWR. Mm-hmm. So I, while I was learning the underwriting, I saw that aspect as well as you did. So I saw the deals that they were looking at too, which was just mind blowing. Because mm-hmm. you come from the credit union, oh, you see they're black or white. All of a sudden you come and you're with the mix, it's like this huge gray area. You're like, yeah. holy crap, you can structure it like this or that. And it makes sense. And it's just mind-blowing. And I've, I've always loved private lending since then. Here's the thing. Well, a lot of these uh, mortgage brokers that are, are new, it doesn't have, it's not even in the mortgage business, like any business. It can be insurance, real estate, yeah. uh, hairdressing, whatever, right? If I was to start again, I would go pick somebody I wanted to be like, right? I wanted to you know be a mentor under and go and talk to them directly and go work for them. Yeah, and yeah. just learn there. I think that's just the best way. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, that that was thrown to my lap. I just didn't even know it at the time. Yeah. But for anyone new, because anyone new that wants to get in here, they're just looking at the money. Well, that's that money's gonna easily go to zero very fast if you don't know what you're doing. So yeah. if you can go tag with somebody and you know one of these guys here, yeah. don't call me. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Sneil, that's a good point. So I think what's happening in the industry, like some of the brokers that we kind of mentor as well, uh, sometimes like these guys get into the industry and they want the mortgage more than the client. Yeah. And then they never It's win. a money's game. They'll it's never win. Game. Yeah. Because yeah. the money's gone, they're gone. They're yeah. done. Yeah. And Nothing I, feeds them. And I always tell them, I'm like, hey, man, if you're chasing the paycheck, imagine trying to chase your shadow. It's like the same thing. You'll never catch up. Yeah. And you'll never win in business. But if you try to build the relationships, the money will come. Right? So that's, uh, I think, a lot of new brokers, if they're listening, build relationships because the money will come after. Yeah. I talk to a lot of mortgage brokers. Yeah. And I ask them always, if if tomorrow, today, you walk out of here, you get $10 million bucks, what would you do different tomorrow? Right, and most of them like. Austin, would be like, lend this out. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I would be here. I would be right here, yeah, man. I would yeah. be doing the same damn thing. We yeah. might change a couple of things around, yeah, 100%. but like, I would do the same damn thing. Yeah. Right, nothing has changed for me. Yeah. And most of them like, oh, now I'll go travel. I'll go start my fashion company. I'll do this. I'll do that. Then why don't you do what, that right now? now? Yeah. yeah. Right, like, I can't afford it. Here's the thing, right? You said kickboxing earlier, right? And if you like kickboxing. Go and do more of it. Start podcasting about it. Go on, go out and and video record. Go talk to the juniors there, yeah. right? Because those juniors at 15, 16, 17, guess what? 10 years, they're going to be buying a house. Mm-hmm. They're coming to you, right? Now you're the kickboxing. You're the mortgage kickboxing guy. There's so many right? ways. Like, there's that, so many ways so to do it. So many ways that, honestly, it, once I think you get out your own way and you give yourself permission to actually be yourself. Yeah. And, you know, like, I think sometimes we get so attached to, I'm a mortgage broker. Instead of I'm ranch. Yeah. This is what I like. Yeah. Like cars, I like jokes, yeah. I like fights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shit, I love deals. Yeah. I love looking at deals. I love thinking like, oh man, they structured yeah. this. Like for me, there's something behind a deal because no two deals are really the same, yeah. right? You see it all the time. Yeah. But but here's the thing I'm getting at here yeah. is when you build that core where they know you as kickboxing, they're coming to you. Guess no bank is gonna compete with you. Yeah. Regardless on. Their dad sent them there, or they, you know, they have a cheaper rate. They're coming to you because you added them value, yeah. and because they have something in common, similarity. That's right, right. That that's all it comes down to, man. Yeah. And then you know, you can go approach RCMP and police officers, man, because it's something that you want to do. Makes it like, and come on, those guys will qualify just about anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Great. Yeah. And you can you can go after the, all the. Dental hygienist. <laughs> Get some free toothbrushes and stuff. From Kim, when is the right time to buy a house? Now. Now? Kim, for me, it depends what area you're in. Uh, I, and this is my opinion. Coming <laughs> and uh, with my experience, I don't plan on buying a house for the next 10 years. Reason being is I'd rather deploy capital into into my business because I think the the growth of my business will supersede, uh, supersede uh, yeah. than uh, than real estate, uh, and this is coming from me being single and having no children. It works for me, but for for yourself, I would uh, I would really sit there and think if you have kids and they're in school age, then maybe it's a, it's an opportunity to purchase. But if you're not and uh, you don't have children. Test out different areas, see well, different yeah. things. You gotta like forecast financially where you're gonna be, where you're kind of headed in, in the financial world and your personal life, right? 
and then you can kind of make that uh, that jump because sometimes we do see it on our side where people bite off uh, too much and then they're like especially in a market like this where things are taking a while to sell then you might regret that decision so i think uh pulling that trigger very carefully and like you said depending on the market that you're going to be buying in and just your lifestyle what your goals are i think you got to take that all into consideration before you hand over that deposit i think the the big thing that i would say is are you buying to invest and grow your money or are you you buying to like buy yourself a home if you're buying for a home you're probably gonna live there you're gonna keep rolling that money yeah that's a whole different game but if you're looking at something on the investment side it's always different because like Sunil's experience, he looks at money completely different, right? Even from my experience, I know that a lot of us in our culture, we're always taught that invest in a house, that's the safest way. You're gonna dump me your money, but I see different, I see money completely different now than you know my parents see it mm -hmm. because of our exposure to it. Generational so changes. So now my whole thought process on it is if I can take this capital and lend it out at this, you know, gain 60% lent, whatever it is. My my whole yeah. perception is different, but I would just say, depending on what your goals are, if you're buying a house, tired of renting, um, that's a different conversation, but if you're looking at an investment, that's a completely different conversation as well. Yeah. Just, you know, working on numbers, this, this conversation I was having with my mom this weekend, where everything in a house has expiration, mm -hmm. right? Your roof, 25 years, your hot water tank, seven years, yeah. uh, painting every two years, maintenance, like cutting the grass and gardening, every, that, that's almost daily, right? Yeah. Cutting grass weekly, like everything has expiration and then the amount of money it costs and your weekends are gone. If you live in a climate like Vancouver where it's raining seven months out of the, out of the year, you have five months, right? Like the last thing I want to do is working 12, 14 hours at the office here and going home and, oh, I got to paint the house this weekend. This is something that doesn't drive me, yeah. right? And and the amount of money that you need to pay into all this and then don't forget property taxes and then um, repairs and maintenance. Like there's so many things that people don't take into consideration. Yeah. Only thing they're looking at is like, okay, this is the purchase price, yeah. right? This is my monthly payment. That's all they're looking at. How about your car payment, right? Or like, I don't know why the fuck somebody has a car payment in today's day and, day and age. Like, come on, get rid of car payment. Buy something you can afford. And then after that, you know, food bill and going out. Yeah. And like, you know, there's everything that, you know, racking up. And what are you saving at the end? Most people aren't. Yeah. Right? They're making 80000 90000 but they're spending 110 120 That's it. They're house poor. House poor, yeah. It's a different conversation because for us, once we see how much interest actually gets spent <laughs> over a term and you factor that in. So when... Flipping assignments were big last couple of years. Oh, I made a hundred thousand. No, you didn't. Factor in your taxes. Factor in your time. Factor in this. But you would have so many people talking and making it much sexier than it was. But when you're like us and you look at the numbers, you're like, okay, you did that. That's cool. But you know, if you actually break down the numbers and everything, it's a little bit different. So yeah, you would yeah. have made more work in a Starbucks. Hundred percent. Some some well some of the projects that I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah. From Alex. What's the fastest way to acquire product knowledge and serve your customers at a reasonable level as a mortgage agent? For me, leveraging an underwriter, having somebody that that's what they love to do. I mean, for us, it's very simple. If you love people and you love the social part of the job like I like, um, just connecting with people, meeting with them, your income, you're gonna pretty much know standard what you need to do. Um, but you can really focus on developing that relationship while somebody who might not want to do that as much, they love the knowledge side. They love reading policies. 
I feel like slapping myself in the face with the policy <laughs> update or whatever it is. Yeah. I could care less. Yeah. And what I realized is that um, it's okay not to know everything. It's better to have somebody, you know, Henry Ford didn't know how to build a motor. He just said, listen, I want eight cylinders cast in this. The guy had no education, but he knew the right people who knew. So I would say, you know, spend some time and think about what your skill set really is. And um, just take a look if you can leverage somebody else and if that's their skill set. Eventually you do enough volume that way, you'll start to see different things. But you can double and triple down on what your skill set is and and get a good amount of volume coming in right away. Exactly, and if, if you do really want to know about policies and whatnot, reach out to your BDMs of yeah, these exactly. lenders. So you reach them out, uh, reach out to them, they'll come meet you and give you all their policies and you know go at it if you really want to learn all that. Most yeah. of them are pretty, pretty awesome as well. I mean, once you have a deal and you're unsure, like you're gonna know the income, you're gonna know the debt, you're gonna know their credit. Just put a little write-up together and send it to them. You can work through each individual deal one at a time. So I think sometimes it's easier to just go bite by bite rather than anticipating the 10th or 8th bite when the food's not even in front of you. Yeah. Well, because if you get so stuck on like studying like different type of products and stuff, you know what you're going to forget to do? Call clients. Mm -hmm. yeah. Build a database. You know, the best learning experience is get the goddamn deal then figure it out. Yeah. Like you talk to your BDM, talk to a mentor. If you got a cold broker or a tough deal, you have people to reach out to. So I think uh, don't get sucked into reading uh, those 50 pages of policy. Build your database, build your pipeline. I think what this industry is missing, yeah. the mortgage industry is, is, I believe, an apprenticeship first two years you need to be under somebody not you know they they say first two years you need to be under a brokerage mm -hmm. I think first two years you need to be under you know somebody that's been doing this for the last 10 15 years yeah. right yeah. and copying them and seeing what they're what they're doing I think it's just the way if you really want this thing to grow but I think most people are in there for the cash yeah for the fast that's cash right. that's what yeah. that's what it's coming down to when you get out there and you start working you, all this stuff you'll learn fast right yeah. and there's nothing wrong I'm not sure about you guys but for me if somebody ever comes into my office that's starting a business or been in it for four or five years I'm more than happy to give my advice mm -hmm. more than happy Right, because I wish somebody was there for me, and I think if somebody goes into an office and says, "Hey, look, I got this deal. I don't know how to put it together. Can you help me out here?" I think chances are somebody's gonna somebody's gonna help you out. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah for sure. And that, that's it's just coming coming down to reaching out. Yeah, and that's a big thing as well. With I mean, brokering the whole thing is you can get a deal and broker it with somebody else. So when it doesn't become about the money and it really is about knowledge, and you start realizing that okay, if I if I do call Sunny. Or, you know, if I do call Sunil, yeah, obviously you guys are taking time. You guys are going to want some of that, whatever it is. So being okay with that initially in your early learning stages because, you know, making 100% of zero is nothing. Mm -hmm. yeah. If you're really after knowledge and you're really after building a business, um, you know, having different contacts that are actively brokering, having those BDMs, having those people, and being okay with, you know, paying for the knowledge because... Everything costs money these days, or time, right? Well, Shit, come in here, I'll do it for free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. come ask me. Like, I'll yeah. I will give that yeah. advice all day yeah. long, man. Yeah. yeah, go talk to them. Like, oh, well, that's that's it. It's just adding value to somebody. Another one from Alex. How did you solve the following problem? <clears throat> Real realtor sends you the lead, leave shops around, but no commitment to fill application or send documents. Multiple follow ups, and the lead goes cold. So for me. Uh, 
like like I don't mind like if I ask a client right up front like hey you know like these are the banks that we work hey we want to shop around like for me like I really respect my time and time is very very valuable and stuff so I just tell them like hey man we might not be the, the right fit because I work with clients that are fully dedicated and I work X number of hours uh, on my files and stuff and uh, definitely go try out different options I encourage you but if things are not working out there just call me back so for me like uh, like with my client the relationships that I built I know they're not shopping and you I think you really gotta uh, really really respect your time uh, if they're not filling out an app um, that's you know a red what? flag. Just, it's mm-hmm. a red flag. Yeah. Just bypass like the time that you're gonna spend. Hey, did you fill out my app? Hey, man, I sent email. Did you? You didn't get it. Here, I'll email it to you again. You could have made five different phone calls and got five brand new leads. Yep. So for me, it's uh, I just work with a dedicated group of clients uh, that are based off relationship and uh, referrals. So that's just how I run my my business. I do the same thing. I mean, your self esteem is much higher. Could you imagine? You know, your chasing a girl and she asks you out on a date, you guys set a time, you go there, she doesn't show up, and you do this eight <laughs> weeks in a row, you know, like, uh, it's the same thing with clients. I mean, we're not gonna win every single client, every person is not gonna be for us, but when we, like Sapphall says, you respect yourself, and you just set that expectation with them, right? If somebody doesn't, a big no-no for me is if a client can't make the time to see me at the office, that's a, that's a no, right? Because if we're in this together to get something done and I'm helping five, 10 other people at the same time, all the bare minimum I need is just come to me. Yeah. Or we can do it online, I can send you the application, let you know, but if I gotta chase you around to get the basics done, chances are it's not gonna happen, mm-hmm. Yeah. right? Yeah, just do your regular standard touch points, try, I would say, I would say between three to four times, if by then you don't have an app and they're not engaged or they're not answering, I would just, but you know, mm-hmm. what I, I think Sunny, you know, the big, the big, uh, where brokers really screw up is setting the expectation on the first phone call. Yeah. Like when I talk to a client, hey, but I have access to many different banks. Shopping around will actually hurt your profile. Like depending on like, I work with directly with TD. I know your dad opened your bank account there. Hey man, we work work with TD. But if you don't set that expectation, and you make the conversation just about rates and stuff, you're gonna lose the client. And I think if you, in the end, you're gonna waste time just chasing the client, right? So For me, it's 24 hours, yeah. right? I send, and being the private market is, it's it's always, la, you know, last resort, last, right? Yeah. Yeah. At, it's either foreclosure and they got contact the sale, we need to close this, fund this now, yeah. or, you know, some bank pulled out, this is closing tomorrow, let's get it done. Everything goes out, right? If I don't get it back within 24 hours, like, yeah, they're wasting time. Don't yeah. Even, just, yeah. just cut it. I don't even do anything after that. Because yeah. if somebody needs the money fast, trust me, they're coming in here with a shitload of paperwork. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or they're going to be firing emails back and forth and texts and calls. Can't really these guys are serious. Let's go. Yeah. 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 You know, in developing your business, you also want to develop your clients and how they work with you. Because if you're constantly changing your style, adapting to different people, you're never really going to have a system in place. And I think if you take that long-term approach of this is my system, I'm not going to break this system. It's scalable for you, yeah. it's easy, it's predictable, and it's always, everything that I've seen, and a lot of my friends are in the industry, whether real estate or this side, if somebody doesn't give you that initial 
you know, if they don't send the application within 24 hours or sign a, you know, exclusive agreement on the real estate side, they're shopping. They are. And exactly. that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Let that's, them. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. But it's up to you if you want that to be a part of your business cycle. I don't like it, so I don't mess around with that. Uh, but it's completely up to you with what you want to do. Those are the things they have control over. Sure, sometimes financial statements you don't have. You need yeah. to, con- to contact your accountant or yeah. friend. I get that. Mm-hmm. But a simple application with a signature is all up to you. Yeah. You can't find a printer? Take a photo with your phone and send it. Yeah. yeah. It's not that difficult. Yeah. Right? Like everyone can get that down, man. 100%. Tell me about anything else? Or? Yeah, one more question. All right. So, from Peter, how do you balance your mortgage business with your family? Great question. Um, the hell's balance? Yeah, balance. <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty tough uh, for myself. I just had my we had our second child uh, just about a month or a little over a month ago. Yeah. Sunny had a full set of hair about a month yeah. ago. Yeah. That's yeah. how that's yeah. how balance has been, guys. So yeah, so I mean, uh, it's been uh, it's tough sometimes, especially when life events happen, like such as yeah. children, marriage, whatever it may be. Um, it's about how many hours in a day we have 24 okay you sleep for what maybe five six you just have to be organized and plan everything out. okay make time for your family okay well i know from this time to this time i have to be at the office doing my calls or meeting clients or whatever you need to do then okay i got this set of time and you gotta account like just basically track everything plan everything out um to, to have some time like i have designated time for my family in the evening time i know I'm going to spend, hey, at least an hour before my daughter goes to bed mm-hmm. with her. And, and so I, she sees me too, right? I don't want to leave the house while she's sleeping and come home and she's sleeping again. So you got to just kind of etch that out and, and got to be, you got to just, regardless of whatever's happening, make that time because you want, that's who you're working for. If you can't be there for your family, then then what's the point, yeah. right? If you got to have that, unless like, I, I mean, sometimes emergencies come up, I can understand that you do, maybe you don't come home one time one day, but for the most part, I'm married to my schedule. Yeah. Just do your best. Keep it simple. You're never going to be in balance. Yeah. Life's always going to sh- shift and different things are always going to change. And I think if you have this concept that one day you're going to have a perfect equilibrium, you're chasing a ghost. Yeah. You know, if you if just do your best as things come, communicate as best as you can, plan as best as you can. But you also got to give yourself that space that if you mess up, you're learning. We're all learning, yeah. Yeah. right? Like every single person in this room, we're all learning whether it's in our business our personal side whatever it might be so i think having that little bit of a relaxed bit about it but still you you want to do your best you want to have a schedule you want to set time out to do you know spend time with your family or have your business and this all comes down to like that self-awareness just planning and just doing your best yeah yeah for me like i take a very systematic approach like my schedules i set in stone like just having the right team around you for me, it's like, uh, especially with my daughter, like I, I don't like work on weekends. Cause I know I'm gonna, like, maybe like during the week, I'm gonna have a lot of work to do, but on weekends I wanna spend the quality family time, but still be able to answer texts and like phones here and there. But I, I just don't have uh, meetings. And if you kind of set that in stone with a lot of my like clients and stuff, they know, hey, on the weekends, we can just call, email, stop all, like that's all good during the week. We can meet him when he's back in the office. So I think just setting in stone instead of like we're talking about the mortgage application instead of chasing it, yeah. right? You, if you kind of set that expectation with your clients, then uh, you might have some balance. Some. <laughs> yeah. This is good. I love, love how this is closing. Uh, for me, uh, Monday to Friday, for me, it's, it's 100% business. There's nothing else. It's, it's just a grind. 
Friday night, Saturday night is uh, is friends. Saturday during the daytime, I come into the office. I it's it's the time where I it's quiet. It's just me, and I get a lot done. Sunday is strictly family, except football season. Uh-huh. <laughs> then family gets shipped over to, to, to Saturday. Yeah, yeah. That's my day. But most importantly here is me time. Yeah. My me time is very important. That's when everything aligns. That's when my head gets clear, my heart gets clear. Everything's there. And for me, that's first thing in the morning. Yeah. I wake up, whatever it is, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7, and I make sure I got the hour for myself. Yeah. Nobody around, just quiet and, and focus on... And it's just, it's amazing how much uh, better I become just because of that. If you're building, like, everything that we do, it always comes down to our relationship with ourselves, right? So, I mean, we talk about this a lot in the office and even for myself, like, mind, body, soul before coming to work, a little bit of movement. I know for me, meditation is huge. And I don't, I used to try and be so rigid with it. I'm not anymore. If it's five minutes, if it's 10 minutes, whatever, but it's as needed. So even midday, if I feel a little bit out of balance, I'll take five minutes because I know that when I'm in that good space, that everything else clicks and I know what I'm kind of working towards and stuff like that. But it's, yeah, I think that that early morning hour to yourself is is absolutely key. Well, yeah, whenever, yeah. whenever yeah. you can, me time. Yeah. Everyone just, it's, it's always about family, it's about work, <clears throat> me time, mm. right? If, if, you know, at the gym or driving, whatever, just have that time. Yeah. Very important. Gents, thanks for coming down. I really appreciate Thank all you, you guys. Thank you for having us. Thanks for everything. Yeah. All right, guys, we have links to uh, all these guys uh, down below, Matrix as well. So Thank you. Thank awesome. you. All right. All right. All right.